Hello and welcome back to Deserted, a podcast where we send our guests to deserted island with only three dishes and a few ingredients. Our guests discuss their life, family, business, and lots more. I'm Lindy. And I'm Grace. And together we have over 20 food allergies and intolerances, but we are still avid foodies. So join us whilst we dive deep into our guests' experiences and their relationship with food. And find out what dishes they'll be bringing to the island. See you there. See you on the island. We're really excited. Today we have the beautiful Courtney and Shala from Zestful on the pod. We're really excited to speak to you both. Yeah, guys, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, Zestful is an incredible platform and it's been around for about a year or so, like maybe more now, but it is it came out with a bang, like incredible content, incredible recipes, incredible thoughtful articles. And yeah, I think you guys are taking the allergy and lifestyle and like world by a storm and I think it's incredible and cannot wait to like just chat to you about food and about your business and like who you guys are so if you maybe Charlotte start like introducing you maybe like maybe how you and Courtney met and then Courtney you can maybe speak about yourself. Sure first off thanks again for having us we're so happy to talk to you guys and uh I started uh long ago, it seems like, uh, blogging at my Berkeley kitchen. And I met Courtney online, of course, uh, through Instagram. And uh, we started our blogs, uh, I think, pretty similarly time-wise. And yeah, I just was blogging for a while. I have um, two kids who uh, are uh, now uh, almost uh, 10 and 14. And uh, they have allergies, environmental asthma, eczema, and then my little one has uh, allergies to peanut, tree nuts, sesame, and some other seeds. So I really got into blogging because of my kids. I mean, that's the main reason that I'm here. I wouldn't be doing this uh, otherwise. And um, through blogging, you know, I was uh, connected as we all are to this incredible community, food community and allergy community. And, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, it sort of made me reevaluate blogging um, and sort of going at it on my own. And so Courtney and I, we met um, actually in real life. Courtney came to Berkeley and stayed with me um, at my house, <laughs> which was so cool because we had been connecting online for so long. And then she spontaneously, spontaneously said, I'm coming to California. Um, and so it was so cool. We got to spend uh, a night and an evening together with my kids and we cooked and uh, just walked around Berkeley. And so that was really cool. So anyways, when the pandemic hit, you know, we uh, both were reevaluating like blogging. And so that's sort of where Zestful came about. Awesome. It's really cool to meet another sort of online couple that has met <laughs> similarly to Lindy and I. <laughs> and Courtney, how about you? Like, how did you start on the journey before you met Charlotte and started Zestful? Well, I started blogging in 2015. You can believe it. I was like, what was my first post? I had to like creep around and look and I was like, oh my gosh, 2015, November 2015. Ooh, it's been, <laughs> we've had a lot of stuff happen in that time. Um, well, you know, I kind of got into this place where I was an adult with food allergies and I wasn't sure what other adults with food allergies were feeling because I was going through all of these weird social experiences where I was starting to self-isolate because of my food allergies. I didn't feel like talking about them. I felt embarrassed by them. I felt burdened by them. So I went online and I was like, there must be some people talking about this. I mean, I, I can't be the only one who's feeling this way. And I discovered there weren't really that many people or I mean, people as an adult talking about what it's like to live with food allergies as an adult. There were a ton of mommy blogs, like a ton of mommy blogs. 
but there weren't anyone like sharing their adult experiences and all of these mommy blogs felt like they were coming from a lot of fear and you know up until the point where I was feeling a little anxious and emotionally drained and I put it on top of that I had just moved to Germany so I was also in a foreign land so I think I was using it like slightly as a crutch to not have to learn German, <laughs> make friends. But anyways, I was exploring all of these mom blogs and I realized that there's so much fear and I wanted to tell them like, look, there's so much hope as well. There are so many adults who are thriving and allergies are just one part of our lives and we don't need to make them all of our lives. Like everything is not about food allergies. And I felt like that's what was going on in the blogs I was reading. I mean, obviously we have lives outside of blogs and blogs only show one sliver of a life but uh yeah so I was like okay maybe I'll share my story and through that hopefully I'll connect with other adults <laughs> because really at the end of the day I was like please tell me someone else is feeling this way so it kind of became a therapy and then I just made all of these amazing connections through it and realized how many people were feeling the same way and how many people also needed to hear other perspectives on what it's like to live with multiple food allergies I think that's really like that's kind of like why I started posting online too like no like nobody actually understands the the hardships but also like how that I can live that I'm living my life with all of these allergies I just really wanted to share that I was actually okay I think it's wonderful that with Zestful you're kind of promoting this like you're not fear-mongering at all. It's like living life, enjoying the food. It's very inclusive, whether or not you have allergies or not, versus sort of, I totally agree with you. I remember growing up, it was everything out there was like what you cannot do, what you cannot eat, what life you cannot live while you have allergies. Um, Meanwhile, there also being so little substitutes out there. Um, But I think it's really wonderful how Zestful is really promoting like inclusive and happy um, living for like the entire family or like if you were having a dinner party like you have kind of um, produced something that I've always wished especially like growing up as like a, a teenager and then going into college like similar to you Courtney you know feeling ashamed of it it's just amazing to see you know these things that are now available for people who you know it wasn't for us guess with that it would be good to dive into your first dish and and see sort of how how that takes play in all of this the dish that uh, I grew up with that was very significant to me because we had it at like every family gathering we had it at Thanksgiving even with the turkey um just a little background first is um I come from a really large South Asian family and so you know, food was always front and center for us. Um, we, I didn't know anyone with food allergies. And so that wasn't like part of my world. Um, I all like was thrown into it when, you know, my kids were diagnosed. And so uh, this dish is just really like, it just signifies home for me. Like anytime I smell the flavors, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I'm brought back to my mom's kitchen. And it's a dish uh, called Palau. And it's um, very similar to like a rice pilaf. Uh, It's usually made with a ton of spices like cumin, coriander, you know, garam masala, if you think uh, traditionally. And um, usually there's like a sauteing of like onions and garlic. um, And then it's just sort of like mixed with any sort of protein like chicken or lamb. And then it's uh, mixed with the uh, rice and then it's sort of like all cooked, sauteed and cooked together. And then it just, you know, comes out with this like very like comforting, warming rice dish, always made with basmati rice. And yeah, it was just, it was always, always at like, uh, a special occasion, weekend dinner, you know, so it's like anytime I smell like frying onions, I just, and like spices, I think about this dish. That's, that's awesome. So do you, you know, you mentioned your kids have allergies. Is this something that you can also like share with your kids now, or um, do you make substitutes for, it or how has your life sort of kind of shifted or ha- not shifted, but I guess accommodated, you know, the, the recipes that you grew up with to your kids that have food allergies? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting. Like this dish, we really didn't have to make any sort of like uh, alternatives and we didn't really have to use any alternatives. The way that my mom cooks is very simple. She uses like whole ingredients most of the times. Um, so it wasn't like that we had to make use alternatives but the thing that did change for us is like where we source spices uh because that was really tricky you know explaining to my family that we can't just go to the indian store and buy spices anymore because a lot of times the labeling is really <laughs> random and you know it's not correct you know you, sometimes they leave things out or they'll just say natural ingredients or spices as we all know and so that was really scary to me and it really took me a long time to come to grips with the fact that I it was really going to be hard for me to shop at these places that like my mom would always take me to um but, you know, after I sort of had that sort of like grieving uh, period, like there's so many places where like now I feel like I have a couple of like really good spice brands that I can rely on that have really good labeling. And so it was just sort of like working with my mom to like help her understand that, you know, where we get our rice from and where we get our spices from, like those are really important factors for us. Um, every food allergy family is different, but for us, those were really important. And so, you know, she just kind of made adjustments. She likes to cook for us. So what we've um, done a lot of times, her, her kitchen is not completely nut free, like she'll put away stuff for us. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes a lot of times what we do is she'll come over, like they usually end up coming over and then we'll cook together. Or if I'm at her house, we'll cook together, you know, so it's kind of like we make it sort of this family affair where, um, we can look at ingredients together and, you know, make sure that everything's okay as far as like cleaning and space and stuff. Because of you now have to deal with those restrictions and food allergies, like how has your relationship with food changed since then? Oh my gosh, it's changed like completely. I mean, I look at food in a completely different way. You know, I think um, before, as a non-food allergy person, someone who had no idea what food allergy was, like I didn't grow up with it. I didn't have friends. I mean, looking back now, I think like I did know some people with uh, like a peanut allergy, but they never talked about it and they went about their life like, you know, it was no big deal. So I didn't know it didn't know anyone where it affected their life in such a significant way. And for us, our journey was so um, it was a little bit slower, like we had a reaction, a social, small reaction, and then we had a bigger reaction, and then we had other reactions. And so it was like this journey of learning. And back then it wasn't like, you just get tested on everything. If you have one reaction, it was like, we were sent home with reading materials. And then we were like, oh, there's other allergens that we need to be aware of. And so that was just a big learning curve. So as far as food was concerned, you know, that changed a lot for us because as the list of allergens grew, then we had to adapt. You know, food allergy doesn't just affect one person in your family, it affects everybody. It affects the sister and the mom and the dad and it affects the extended family. And so it was just this whole process of learning together how we were going to adapt. And in South Asian culture, um, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, for us, it, what we found was that it was really hard to explain food allergy and still is like there, you know, there are people that, you know, have food allergies and yet it's not something that you talk about. It's almost like a shameful thing, you know? And so that is really hard for me to come to grips with because I'm so vocal about it. And <laughs> I mean, we've, you know, dedicated our lives to this. So I think um, for me, that took a lot of grappling with, you know, and I'm still sort of, um, you know, dealing with sort of like uh, explaining to extended family how it all works. But luckily, we have a lot of people in our family that are very receptive and kind and um, very accommodating. So we're lucky. I think that's really important. Like, you know, anytime I speak to you, you're always, you know, advocating for your kids too with especially with extended family I think that for me was the hardest thing I had to do deal with as an adult is 
really say like really putting boundaries in place because when I was a kid it was like oh you're gonna be fine and I couldn't cook for myself like so I had to eat what somebody was giving me and you know not to say that they were you know but there were allergens of present that I didn't feel comfortable with it wasn't that they were giving me food I couldn't eat but it was just allergens that I didn't want to sit at the same table with but as an adult I can say it's okay if you want to eat that but I will leave the room and because I want to because I'm keeping those boundaries in place but that was probably the hardest thing for me with extended family who I don't see every day who doesn't cook for me all the time and to say this is how I'm dealing with my allergies now um, so I think that's really important that you're showing your kids that and showing that you can, you know, advocate and also be able to eat with them as well. Like not saying like we don't go over to anyone else's house, but we do say, well, maybe I'll cook with you so that we can feel safe. You know, I think that's showing your kids that they can have it all in that way. Now, maybe like going on to like the other side of it and the person who does grow up with the allergies, like Courtney, like what's your dish number two and how have you dealt with that side of it? I feel like my dish might be kind of perfect for this conversation. So uh, the dish that I'm sharing is curry mince and fat cook. And it is a dish my grandma makes. My dad, like you, Linduiz, is from South Africa right I'm making I'm not making like a false statement no here. that's right <laughs> okay <laughs> your dad so my dad's also from South Africa I don't know if you know this dish or not but it's basically curry mince so it's a minced meat with curry powder ginger garlic um originally it's made with potatoes and it just cooks for a long time and then it just infuses in flavor and normally originally it was made with lamb or beef um and then the fat cook is basically like a fried piece of pizza dough it's absolutely oh. delicious it's unbelievable um, <laughs> so that's the original dish it's made generally with beef and it's got potatoes and the story goes so my father also has food allergies we have a lot of food allergy people in my family and my father developed a beef and potato allergy in his uh, later years of life. So I think he was around 40 at the time. I say that because my time frame of like my childhood, everyone was around 40. So <laughs> he was around 40. Um, but all of a sudden, the curry mints had to change. And my grandma started making it with chicken, ground chicken, and she was floored. She did not know what to do with the potatoes. It was just absolutely mind-boggling to her that she couldn't make it with potatoes so she swapped in sweet potatoes she swapped in turnips she swapped in um carrots she tried all of these different things until she found the perfect combination of what she wants it's like half carrots half sweet potato now so it doesn't taste very close to the original but it's really good and it's the curry mints for my family and then fat cook was always made with store-bought pizza dough which was super easy. You know, you just buy some pizza dough and then you fry it. Like there's nothing easier than that. Uh, but to accommodate my food allergies, we had to start actually making the pizza dough. And that added, you know, a couple of hours to the whole process. So it became more of a special treat for the family. So whenever someone came to visit, uh, we had to have curry mince and fat cook. So whenever we come back to Toronto from Berlin, so me and my husband, it's like, uh, obviously we want curry, curry mince and fat cook. And when my cousins visit my grandparents or my grandma now, it was curry mince and fat cook. And my cousins were there like the last month and there were pictures on Facebook and they're sitting there with piles of <laughs> fat cook. And I'm like, oh, I know what you guys are doing. Um, so it it was always this like amazing dish that everyone wanted. And, you know, my husband was like, can, can Popo make curry mints and fat cook? And I was like, yes, you can. I would definitely ask. So everyone asked for it. Um, and I thought, okay, maybe I should actually learn how to make this dish. So this, this summer I sat down with my grandma and she schooled me on how to make it. And I videoed the whole thing so I wouldn't forget. And it's absolutely hilarious. And I actually shared something on Instagram about how she cuts her or chops her ginger. And it went kind of viral, which was really surprising. She's like this hilarious little old Chinese lady with a South African accent. 
So um, I think she just like, you know, grandma videos do really well on Instagram. <laughs> but it's a dish that just means so much to my family because everyone asks for it. And it's gone through many, many, many versions to get to where it is today to accommodate everyone's food allergies. We'll have to share that video. Um, <clears throat> we'll have to share that video um, when the episode goes live um, so everyone can see it. Um, but that's really interesting. I've actually never heard like... I've never heard of actually like a family of people who have allergies. I feel like it's always usually one in a family that has allergies, which like similar to Shala and Lindy, it's always just been a struggle to sort of explain it to people. Um, but I'm just so curious what it was like and what, and sort of did that sort of impact your relationship with food and, you know, just being around people that were probably quite stressed about their own sort of allergy and maybe not yours. And how did that, you know, what was the dynamic like? That's an interesting question. It's kind of, our journey was weird. So I was diagnosed really young. So I was like four months old when we discovered I was allergic to peanuts. My dad always had a banana allergy. Like ever since he was a child, he had a banana allergy and we knew my dad had a banana allergy. Uh, But then, like I said, he was later in his life. So he was like in his (laughs) forties or maybe in his thirties. I don't know. No, I think he was in his forties. Um, where something happened and he just, basically everything I was allergic to, he is now allergic to. So it just, something sparked in his immune system. And we think he has a nickel allergy and he has several other allergies to metals. And he got a metal plate in his arm and then that happened. And then just basically he couldn't eat a lot of different foods. And I know I'm just speculating here, but that's what we think because he got so much testing done and no one could say exactly what happened but obviously he was very atopic I mean he has asthma and he has eczema so he's a totally atopic person it just seemed to present later in life so he was prepared to be allergic to lots of stuff because of me uh, but you know his banana allergy that was a pretty easy thing to avoid for him so it did take a lot of adjustment because I come from a Chinese family and I'm allergic to soy and I'm allergic to sesame and I'm allergic to peanut and all tree nuts. Uh, that was really hard because I couldn't really go into a Chinese restaurant and all of our big family events happen in Chinese restaurants and they would have soups that are sesame oil on the top and that I just cannot walk into a space where there's like sesame oil steam everywhere. So I was missing a lot of events or we had to figure out alternatives or I would go in and say hi and then leave once I started feeling itchy (laughs) you know we tried all of these different things so as much as yes food allergy was present not during my childhood because the banana allergy like I said something easy to manage but now my father is also allergic to peanuts tree nuts and sesame he can still have soy so he can still eat all of the delicious foods with soy sauce uh, but we've had to accommodate a lot of soy-based recipes. And that was really hard for my grandparents because pretty much soy sauce or hoisin sauce showed up on everything. Yeah, wow, that's that's a tough one coming into a like, Chinese restaurant um, and being in a Chinese family. <clears throat> that's so interesting, you know, Courtney, because my South African family has more allergies than my UK-based family. So like my sisters have a peanut allergy and um like part of my like extended South African family has allergies just like random ones throughout the family so like that's just really interesting (laughs) that we have like that connection but then a family-based allergen so yeah yeah Yeah, that's really interesting my uncle also has allergies and then both my grandparents are very atopic people yeah, it's so it's just it's so interesting how sometimes these patterns occur. But um, I'd love to get into dish number three, which is the dish that both of you have picked, and um, would love to dive into that and also a little bit about um, zestful and the creation of zestful and the recipes, like the co-creation. Is it co-created? Um, a little bit about that and what the dish means to you. Do you want to jump off, Shala? I think for us, both of us, bean, I think for both of us, the bean dip is really special because we both manage sesame allergies at home. Um, and as you might know, hummus is really popular. <laughs> and we're like, what's that? Can we try it? No. Well, what can we do to make our own? You know, so I'll let Shala take the lead on that. 
Yeah, so my version of the uh, sesame, or sorry, the bean dip is a little bit different from Courtney's, but uh, same concept, you know, but uh, basically that came about uh, right quickly after our uh, sesame di diagnosis for my daughter. And that one was really tough. I would have to say that was the toughest one of them all because sesame was a big part of our life <laughs> before. Uh, Mediterranean restaurants, you know, sesame sprinkled on naan in, you know, as part of my culture. And so that uh, even more so than the nuts was a really tough one. And it's in a lot of things, you know, so it ruled out a lot of, uh, you know, international restaurants and things like that for us. And so, but one of the things like Courtney was mentioning was the, uh, uh, the tahini and the hummus. That was like a really big thing that we were missing. And so um, at the time I was like, you know, part of all these Facebook groups and I would scour the Facebook groups and, you know, it just kept coming up like, oh, I miss hummus. I miss hummus. You know, the sesame groups were saying this. And I thought, gosh, there's all these people that miss this, um, you know, this hummus. And it's like, why haven't we found a replacement or an alternative for, for hummus? And so I just started experimenting in the kitchen. And then I came up with this um, sort of this uh, alternative. It was a riff on a old Jack Pepin recipe. And it was like a creamy bean dip that he made, but he had used some other, I think there was not maybe nuts in it. I can't remember. Um, and so I just kind of like tweaked tweaked and tweaked until, as we do, until, you know, uh, I found something that worked for our family. And so that's sort of where that came about. And now we, you know, we serve it like at every, like, you know, gathering. And if we have, we have falafel night in our house, so we serve it with that. And um, it was one of those bean dips that like, I wanted to make so that people didn't miss hummus. Like they would eat it and they'd be like, oh, this, this is just good. You know, it's not like, oh, you made this because of, and it's a, it's a dish that I bring everywhere. Like if someone invites me over, I'll bring, I'll bring the creamy bean dip. Sesame has always been one that I just, I, it's not one of my allergies and being allergic to nuts and tree nuts and dairy, I very much indulge in sesame. So I think that would be a, like a tough one. And um, although for a while I couldn't tolerate chickpeas. And so, you know, bean dip would come in very handy at that, at that point. But um, Courtney, I would love to know what the bean dip means to you. Yeah. So my mom used to make this thing when I was a kid. And basically she had, this, we call it the mini Oscar. It's like a little... Honestly, what is that thing called? Like a like a tiny Vitamix, I guess. A food <laughs> like processor? A food processor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we call it the mini Oscar. I just call it an Oscar. I have no idea what the thing is called. Really? <laughs> it's really Oscar, cute. <laughs> tiny food processor. It's like about the size of your hand. It's a really yeah. tiny. And it's yeah, the... only like one can of beans in it. Mm -hmm. It's very small. So my mom would put the can of beans olive oil a clove of garlic and a squeeze of or a squeeze of a full lemon and then she would puree it and then would eat it as kids with like crudite or whatever and so I was just thought that was like we called it bean dip and it was like a thing my mom made that we ate in like the 90s um and then all of a sudden hummus exploded everywhere and my husband absolutely loves the stuff and I was like I don't get the deal I don't get it why do you guys love this hummus so much I don't get it <laughs> So I was like, oh, my mom used to make this thing that kind of looks like hummus. I'm going to try and make it. And when I started making it, they didn't have the mixed beans and cans that my mom used to get. Uh, and I was also living in Germany at the time. So different products. So I started using white beans. And I was like, oh, this is super. It's nice and creamy. It's delicious. And my husband's like, oh, yeah, this, this doesn't necessarily rival hummus, but it's very good. <laughs> it's good enough that I'll eat it, you know, instead of hummus, that's fine. Uh, so I started making it and now we eat it like every other week because it's just so easy to make. And when we're both looking at each other, like, oh my God, I don't know. Are we ordering pizza tonight again? Or what do we do? We make the bean dip and roasted vegetables. So it's, it's honestly one of those recipes that we have on Zestful that is a staple in my house and we make it all the time. And that's why I'm so happy to share it because it's so easy and it's actually something we eat. 
Yeah. So will you, I guess, so first question is that, did you guys like separately come up with this bean dip just like coincidentally and then like both share it together? And then my second question is, I want to know about Zestful and sort of like, you know, is it both of you, you know, coming up with these recipes and, and posting it together and sort of the, the creation of the magazine and sort of where you see it going from here? Obviously, there's some big news today, um, but I'll let you dive into it. Yeah, I mean, the bean dip, I don't, Courtney can share her thoughts, but I, you know, I, I had it, um, I had wanted this bean dip right after, like I said, our diagnosis. And so it just was something we started making in our family, whereas it sounds like Courtney was making this like throughout, right, her childhood and whatnot. So uh, yeah, my, my variation, my recipe is a slight variation on Courtney's. So like for my recipe, I think we add like bread as a filler. And so we wanted to, it just kind of makes it a little bit like a thicker like that sounds super weird, but it actually works. But um, for Courtney's recipe, it was even simpler than my recipe. We wanted to make it, um, we wanted to post it on Zestful because they can accommodate everyone, you know, people that are gluten-free as well. So, uh, but I've made both and they're equally uh, delicious. I mean, you can't go wrong with white beans. So, so creamy. <laughs> Unless you're allergic to them. Unless you're <laughs> allergic. But uh, Courtney and I are not allergic and we we joke about it. Like we just, the beans are like our go-to. So I don't know what we would do, but uh, it's funny. Like sometimes with the beans, because we rely on them a lot. Yeah. I sometimes look for recipes on Zestful and a lot of them, like the, like the plant-based stuff has a lot of beans in it. And I was like, a lot that it's not gonna work <laughs> but wow. but I have made many a recipe from Zestful before and it they are spectacular so like where like yeah so like how do you collaborate how do you find out because like I feel like I I've seen it from like the the birth like when you guys were figuring out how you're gonna do it and now it's been over a year since you started how has it grown and like how do you like find the topics, the recipes, the, like how do you find, how do you collaborate together? How do you get that thing? Then like, you know, it's very rare. How do you get it? Oh, there's lots of questions there. Um, uh, <laughs> where to start? I think what we do for us is what, what, what we initially started looking at is where are the gaps and what can we fill? You know, what are the things that we've done in our lives or that we know friends have done in their lives to fill those gaps and how can we share them and how can we expand on that? So that's where a lot of our content comes from. Uh, we also really want to focus on quality of life. So we want to look at how to make your life as fruitful or zestful as possible, you know, so you don't see allergies as a hindrance and you always know that there is a way you know, it might be a little different, but there's always a way. And we want to help you find that way if we can be a guide or if we can suggest something that may get you on a path where you feel more confident. That's 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 our goal with the content we create. Um, and I think Shala and I, we're really lucky that we come from the same set of values in terms of how we manage our food allergies. And I think that's a core part of our relationship is that we both understand how we feel about food allergies, you know, how we emotionally feel about them, how we manage them. You know, a lot of people manage their food allergies very differently. And that's completely fine because what works for me might not work for you. And we respect that for everyone. We're just really lucky that I feel like we have very similar uh, thought process on how we do that. Yeah. So you it's such a good point just have having similar like values align um in terms of where you see um the magazine going you know what's your you know what's your dream for the magazine um you want if you want to share I think something big happened today um if you want to talk about that as well 
um, and sort of, you know, we want to know where you see the magazine going and sort of your hopes and dreams for it, because obviously reaching a lot of people now, but um, we'd love to hear about that. Do you want to take a step at that, Shala? You, you go for it, Courtney. I'll chime in. <laughs> okay. Um, well, actually, Zestful is now a nonprofit. So we have been working very hard on the background, and that's probably why you're wondering, why has the content been a little bit less this past quarter? And is that because we've been busy becoming a nonprofit? And what we really want to do is create programs for people living with food allergies, asthma, and eczema, because, you know, those three go hand in hand. Um, and the magazine is obviously one of those programs. You know, it's one of those lifestyle or is it toolkits that you can have one of those components to living a happy life and you know there's so much like really cool stuff out there online for everyone and we wanted to be like yeah you can have really cool stuff for people with food allergies too <laughs> that exists we're gonna make it if it doesn't but it's true you can have cool stuff for food allergies and you can also have beautiful stuff for food allergies it doesn't have to feel medical it doesn't have to feel fear inducing it can come from a place of celebration. Just so you guys know what our mission is. So really our mission is to empower, support and improve the emotional, physical and social well-being of individuals managing food allergies, asthma and eczema. So that's what you can expect from our programs. We have Zestful, the magazine, or we're calling it actually a website now. I think we've moved away from the idea of magazine. The content's very similar, but I think we've been playing with the term magazine and the term website. We feel more confident with website right now. And the other program that we have is the Itch Podcast. is a podcast that I host with Dr. Gupta and we have incorporated it into Zestful. So that's our educational arm at the moment. And then we have lots of other kind of exciting programs that we'll be launching this year. Shala, do you have any, have I, do you have anything to add? <laughs> no, that was perfect. Um, yeah, I think the, the core of, you know, originally why we started was Zestful is because Courtney and I really felt like there were so many great voices in the community, diverse voices, and we really wanted to highlight those voices and to Courtney's point to show that there's not one way of managing food allergy that's right. It's just what works for you. But the the main the main concept around that was to celebrate your life because you can celebrate it even with the challenges that come with food allergy, asthma, and eczema. And uh, becoming a nonprofit um, wasn't. I don't, I don't think it really was our intention when we first started Zestful. We really didn't know where it was going to go, but a lot, uh, becoming a nonprofit allows us to sort of um, focus on these areas and hopefully in time, uh, create more resources for our community and also to bring about more education and awareness uh, to the communities outside of food allergy. And one really important thing about Zestful is that all of our content and everyone involved in it actually lives with or manages one of these conditions. So allergies, asthma, eczema, one or all. Uh, so we really want everyone on our team to come from a place of experience and yeah. what they're producing and what they're helping shape. They know it personally. We feel like that's for us very, very important is that we're sharing these insights from people who actually know what it's like to live with it. Because I think there's something very different from saying it's easy to manage it, do this, this, and this, versus like, it's easy to manage it. I know you can do this, this, and this, but sometimes this happens and that doesn't work. So here's my super little tip for you. So that's something that's very important for us with Zestful. Yeah, and I think that you get that through the magazine and I think uh, through the website. And I think that you get that through the articles and what you sh like what you share it Definitely. feels real and it feels like it's from it's just from experience you're not having a doctor you know you you get people who are professionals and are doctors who are who know the science behind this but you also feel like you get people who know what it's like to deal with it emotionally and physically 
every single day. And I think that's just really important. Um, before we go on to the things that you're gonna take to the island as well, I just wanted to ask like, how can, with a website, it's a lot of the times it's hard to know, like as a consumer, how to like, help the business and how to, um, you know, people don't realize sometimes to share it, to comment on it makes a big difference in the business. How do you like, you know, your consumers to like be involved in this? Because obviously it's not just for nobody, right? You want people to read it. You want people to cook the food, to share, to, you know, you want the knowledge to go into the to other people like how do you want them to then respond to you and the work that you're doing yeah i think there's so many different ways i mean now that we're a nonprofit, there's probably more additional ways of supporting us um one of the easier ways of supporting us is to subscribe to our newsletter uh that you know gets our content in the hands of more people which we you know, appreciate, and then we can continue to create more resources. We're also setting up a shop page with some nifty merchandise <laughs> that'll be coming soon. So um, the money will obviously go back to Zestful so that we can create resources and programs. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're newly formed nonprofits. So, you know, there'll be more to come, but I would say for now, you know, follow us on social, comment on our posts, share with your friends, allergy, non-allergy, you know, food allergy, as we know, uh, affects everyone nowadays, not even the person with food allergy. So if you, you know, maybe don't have food allergies, but you have a friend, share with them um, the content that we're you know, producing our website and our, our mission. So let's head into the final part of the podcast, which is the things, the extra things that you're going to be bringing to the island. So the first one is what ingredient will you be uh, bringing? My ingredient that I listed was spices, which isn't just one ingredient, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't bring like uh, just the spices to the island. I don't, I, yeah, I think that was mine. I think that's, uh, I think spices are important for any dish that you're going to be making in the island. It might be a bit bland. Yeah, you can catch a fish and put the spices on it. Yeah. You know, I think um, the concept behind that was that because we live with dietary requirements, food, you know, you can pack so much flavor into food with spices. And so I have like two drawers and a half a cabinet full of spices. So they are one of my favorite things to use. Amazing. And Courtney? Are we stuck on the same island? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're a business. You're lucky. You're, you're, okay. you're a package of two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just checking. Um, I put olive oil, and I think that's just because I legit, like, I order olive oil in, like, five-liter canisters, and I go through it so fast. It's unbelievable. Like, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm not sure if any of our listeners know this, but um, Courtney and Amanda are like good friends, right? Like you guys have are friends online, friends offline. And Amanda was our first episode of our podcast and she took olive oil as well to the island. <laughs> so there is a connection there. There is a definite connection. <laughs> Makes sense now. It all, it all fits together. It's yeah. a small world. <laughs> um, We're oily people. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm looking at you now and I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe you as that, but in any case, um, what would, so the second thing, oil. oh yeah, That's delicious. Um, we also want to know what sort of food brand or go-to food account, um, you know, you, you want to, want to shout out and sort of couldn't live without. Yeah, I put for mine. Uh, so my kids, okay, this is no affiliation with made good, but my kids absolutely adore made good bars granola made I mean they're just obsessed and I think for us I make granola at home every week but the bars I think for my kids especially my little one um 
I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I should have stock and made good. Like I just, I can't keep up with the made good bars. They're like <laughs> everywhere. They're in the car, they're in our cabinets, they're in under pillows. <laughs> just, I just, I don't know what it is, but I think it's just like, you know, her friends love them too. It's something that you can share with everyone. And it's just the convenience factor. So yeah, they're delicious. I've been trying to campaign to get them in the UK for quite some time. It's not yeah. been successful. <laughs> yeah, they're hard. To, I mean, I think Target sells them now, but um, for us, we were ordering them online a lot. So that was a little tricky because they just don't last very long in our house. Yeah, they go yeah. very, very fast. Yeah. Um, and Courtney? So I... I think when we originally made this list, it was before I like discovered this new brand. So I don't really eat a lot of food allergy brands because they use sunflower oil and I'm allergic to sunflower oil. So there are a lot of food allergy brands that I would love to support, but unfortunately I can't eat them. But I discovered this one and it's called Nature's Bakery and they make Big Newton. Oh, yes. And I just like lost my brain with these things. They're so good that like little, and my husband likes them too. He likes them just as much as me. And I'm like, mm, those are my allergy friendly snacks. And he's like, but I can I have them. <laughs> so now we just buy like twice as many because both of us want to eat them. And that's like the first time I've really had that experience with an allergy friendly brand where I was like, ah. I mean, there's a lot of chocolate brands that I could talk about all day. But just this is a new discovery that I've made and I'm very excited and we're going to Canada soon and we're literally bringing a suitcase for me yeah. for these nature's bakery yeah. bar. Sorry, my dog is barking in the background. That's you so do, you have to do what really, you have to do. Yeah, that you do. Courtney, do those have chia in them? A lot of the bars have chia, so that's hard for us. No, they don't. Okay, good to know. I'm going to get They're some. not gluten-free, though. They're, like, all full of gluten. Right. <laughs> um, but that's I okay. Good for bottles. <laughs> I love that. And what product? And I'm. it's hard because your product is your website, right? So we've decided, like, what food product, like, what recipe would you take to the island from your own recipe collection? on the website oh I forgot I was taking this to the island it would be a little tricky to take my selection but I picked a roasted cauliflower soup <laughs> which is incredible it's a good good recipe the reason, thank you Lindy that's so sweet yeah the reason I chose this is because it's super easy to make you literally throw everything on a sheet pan even the garlic and the shallot with the skin on and you just roast it. And then you just, you know, obviously peel the garlic and the shallot and then you just uh, blend it with liquid of your choice and that's your soup. Yeah. Yeah. It's very quick. I made it on a YouTube um, video once and it was so good. So, so good. And um, this is easy, easy island one because you could just like roast everything in the sun and then put them salt water from the ocean. Good. You don't even need broth. And then you just smash it with some rocks. It's perfect. There you go. Perfect. 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 would do well on Survivor. She would yeah. win. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not practical to make on a desert island because it's a yogurt cake. Um, and I don't know where I'd store the yogurt because I don't think I can take a fridge with me. But it's a lemon yogurt cake. And again, this is one of those recipes that I make all the time. Like I just ate it an hour ago before coming on, so I would be hangry. <laughs> so it's very good. Uh, and it's one of those recipes that is so easy and you don't have to actually measure things out. So I've made this in lots of places like using pseudo measurements. So like a teaspoon, but that's just a teaspoon mm -hmm. or like a water glass. It's like, okay, if I put two of those, that's about two cups of flour. So it's one of those things that's more forgiving because baking is not necessarily like a forgiving activity, but this cake is actually quite forgiving. So that's why I would take it because then I wouldn't have to have measuring cups, but I need a fridge. That's perfect. Then you have a sweet treat on the island. Exactly. We need dessert. After yeah, I need dessert. You guys are together. So co combined, you guys are winning. <laughs> 
Um, so we have a little spanner in the works here that we didn't let you know about before, but um, if you listen to some of the other podcasts, you may realize that there is a wave that comes and sort of takes away everything but one dish. Um, and you guys can you have to choose one dish that if everything else was to go, what would be the one that stays with you? Because there's two of you, you only get to choose one dish between the both of you that you have to keep. Well, then wouldn't it be the bean dip? Yeah, that's the first thing that popped to my mind. Yeah, yeah I was like, no, hands down bean dip. Over sweet, I'd take bean dip. Bean dip over sweet. No, I agree. Yeah. 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 And it's also a collective dish that you've made by yourself that you've brought together. Exactly. This website. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Like, it's so nice to chat to you about food. We haven't done it in a while. <laughs> it's so fun to talk. We could talk about food forever, right? Hours, honestly. It just, you could just keep going and going. That's why we did this. And they say people with food allergies don't like to eat. Exactly. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to dispel that with this podcast. Exactly. Like, that's just not true. We actually like it more and think about it more than any other. <laughs> think about it all the time. Changing the narrative. That's yeah. always important. Yes, exactly. We love that. Uh, so if everyone, if people want to find you, if listeners want to find you, um, this is where you can sort of, you know, what's what's the website domain? And obviously we'll link everything. What, what are your Instagrams? Just so people can, you know, if they want to hop on right now. So our website is The Zestful with two L's. So it's The Zestful, that's T-H-E-Z-E-S-T-F-U-L-L.com. So it's two L's. That's our website. And then you can find us on social media with Zestful, double L. So we're there. Uh, And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Allergy Girl Eats. And I'm at my Mm -hmm. Yeah, All the links will be in the show notes um, as per usual. But yeah, it's good to... No, because most people will now want to click on and find you guys. So that's good. Exactly. Well, it's well, so exciting. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's been really, really great. Thank, thank you. you. That was fun. <laughs> See Yay. You Bye.